Hi, it's Joe. Hi, friends. Aislinn here. And we want to welcome you to the second half of Season 3 of Dinner Table Talks. We are so glad that you are here at our table with us, and we are looking forward to all of the great talks that we're going to have. If you enjoy what you hear, tell a friend. Grab a drink and get your most comfortable chair. Pull it up to the table because we're about to get into it. Isn't it funny how dogs learn routines? What do you mean? Well, I look down and Kaishin has definitely learned that he goes and lays in his bed under the recording table. When we're recording. Yes. <laughs> that's where he goes. And now you don't even have to tell him. That's where he goes. Last week's episode was all about Maggie, of course, one week ago today, yeah. about this time. Yeah. How are you feeling? What are you noticing? Every time I step out the door, I look for her coming running. Yeah, it's definitely been a transition. I hear a noise behind me. I turn around and look because I'm expecting to see her. You know, speaking of dogs' routines, you just, you know their routines, you know, and they learn your routines. And not to mention, the other thing is, it's like the rabbits think they've taken over because every morning now I see... I'm seeing more of them. She chased them off, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's definitely been a, a transition and it's just got me thinking, you know, about how much we love our animals out here on the farm. Not the wasps. Exactly. Not the bees. <laughs> no, I, like the let me say that a different way. Bees are chill. Whenever oh, anyone man. reacts to a bee, a bee, ah, you know, it's like, oh, no, no, no. You just don't know. That bee is on a mission and you are not part of it. Right, right, right. Wasps, yellow jackets... On yeah, the other hand, wasps. are just assholes. Yeah, yellow jackets are very aggressive. And I'd have to do a lot more research to really understand why that particular wasp is definitely a problem. <laughs> well, when they're hiding in a small nest in the decoration that's on the chicken run door and you brush your arm against it, kaboom. And I had gotten stung at that same area and did a whole search. There's a, wa there's a wasp nest near here. Didn't find it. Found it a couple days later when I brushed my arm against it. It's like fire ants and rattlesnakes. There's just certain types of things we have down here in Texas. <laughs> I was watching a YouTube video with someone that farms in New York State, and they were at a conference in Texas, and they were talking about all of the things that they were watching out for because the stinging things are here in Texas. Yeah. Like, they're definitely here. <laughs> I did a full farm, the barn, the pavilion, the outhouse, the chicken coop, hunt of wasp nests yesterday and found 10. I want to be very clear because we're, we talk about what it is we do here on the farm. We talk about as much information as we have specific. When he says wasp's nest, he's speaking specifically of yellow jacket nests. Okay. Because there's all kinds of wasps, red wasps and mud wasps and paper wasps and there's all kinds of, and... yeah. And they're not all aggressive and we leave most of them alone right. and most of them will leave you 100% alone. But the yellow jackets increase in quantity so fast in this time of year and they're aggressive. Mm. It's like fire ants. Same thing. Like it's very comparable. So I don't know where you learned it, but a while back you told me to get some Adolph's tenderizer, meat tenderizer from the store, but just to have in the medicine cabinet in the event of bee stings, yellow jacket stings. Because the ingredients are salt, sugar, cornstarch to prevent caking, and bromelain, which is the actual tenderizer. In the bromelain is an enzyme called papain, P-A-P-I-N. Mm -hmm. And the wives' tale there is that if you make a little paste 
with meat tenderizer and water and apply it to the sting, it's going to reduce the pain in it. And the swelling. Right. Like it basically stops the toxins from moving. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My dad is actually the one that told me about that. So the last time I got stung, it might've been last year, it might've been the summer before last, I got stung like three times while I was picking figs, while I was picking grapes, Throughout the summer, just I kept getting stung, kept getting stung. And a lot of times I get stung with my right hand, which is my working hand. The dominant hand, yeah. Yeah, because I'm reaching into the fig trees. I'm reaching into the grapevines. Both places that are notorious for yeah. wasp nests and swelling because of the so sugar. And so bad, swelling so huge that like I couldn't even bend my fingers. Yeah, and yeah. after a couple of times of using like the lavender and the clary calm and some of these like calming oils that do stop pain, like the calm the pain... But don't stop the movement of the toxin into your blood around your hand that creates the inflammation. My dad actually used to have to manage a beach for a hotel. Okay. And so if someone got stung by a jellyfish, I mean, this is one of the things that they would do to help people out. They'd right. be like, here, here, try this. And my, you know, and, and of course he knew about the bromelain in this. And it's not all meat tenderizers. It's like specifically yeah. this brand. But other tenderizers, I'm sure, have this particular bromelain in it, this ingredient in it. So look for that if you're looking for it and keep this around. If you live in a place where you're dealing with bee stings and yellow jackets and jellyfish and things that sting, we have a lot of them here in Texas. We've got two and a half weeks worth of food to discuss. Yes, because it's summertime and now all of the produce is just where we have everything right now. We've been busy. We've been eating plenty. Yeah. Well, last week we said that all the kids were home for Memorial Day weekend to celebrate your daughter's high school graduation. Mm-hmm. And I knew that one night of that weekend, certainly we could collect all of the kids, your folks, and have a big feast. And I thought the best thing we could do with that would be chicken wings. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, we've talked about chicken wings several times on the show. Yeah. All right, you've got to go back to episode 1.10, the 10th episode we ever did, to hear the first time we ever talk about chicken wings. And we buy our chicken wings at the farmer's market from Turkey Hollow Farms. Your mom had a couple of packages in the freezer. We all pulled our resources and had plenty of wings. They were just excited to get together. So we have this long, big table with all of the kids and my parents all having this awesome dinner. I bake all of the wings. Just bake them in the oven after I toss them with baking powder and salt and other spices. Then I take the cooked wings and toss them in a big bowl of the different sauces. My favorite is just classic buffalo wing sauce. My favorite is like a buttery lemon pepper, but I don't think the recipe you ended up using was that. That's the favorite of the boys too, is the mm-hmm. lemon pepper. I was like, mm-hmm. well, they'd eat anything that we provide, right? They're just like super excited for a home-cooked meal. But yeah. since lemon pepper is their favorite, let me try that. So that was new. Butter lemon pepper seasoning, lemon juice, and honey. That's your sauce. You toss, toss, toss your wings in that. The next time we do wings, I'm just going to do a different recipe probably and make it a little bit better. Remember that one time we talked about the tandoori seasoning and mm-hmm. then you made the wings with tandoori? Yes. We talked about that in a past episode too. We did tandoori chicken wings in episode 2.29, and then we did curry chicken wings in episode 3.03. Both great episodes. Go check them out. Do that again? I liked it. I like wings. It's a very fun, easy, you know, the family get together. Mm -hmm. Big bowls of wings, a big bowl of Mexican street corn. That was next. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's going to be an ongoing theme this episode is what exactly are you bringing out of the garden? 
I'm not sure that my corn was worse than last year's corn. It's just that I didn't have any expectations last year. I didn't have that many rows of corn planted. So what I got, I was like, oh my God, and it was beautiful and yay, corn and blah, blah, blah. Well, this year I planted almost an entire garden of corn, corn and potatoes, and then a couple rows. Of yeah, some... in your new backyard garden. Yeah. And that particular garden out there, this backyard garden, it really hasn't grown. I mean, I had a hula culture bed back there that grew a little bit, but the front area had been grown and added to and grown and added to so many times. It has a little bit more organic material in the soil, has mm -hmm. a little bit more structure, but this is brand new. Dug up, move that hula culture bed out, and then plant potatoes, corn, first season. My gardens never look like what this garden looks like. Kind of bare, yeah. you know, tall corn and tall sunflowers. February, March, depending on what the freeze season is looking like, is a really good time to put your corn in and your potatoes in. I was planning, let me get this bed in the back ready and let me plant that stuff back there. And because I had some decent corn last year and it was really nice to have it. I was like, okay, let's do corn again. And I did more corn and I ordered different varieties and I don't yell at my garden very often. No. Like <laughs> I don't get mad at my garden. I don't say nasty things to my plants. And I do talk to my plants like often. I talk to the bugs. I talk, I talk to everything, but I said some nasty words to this garden. And thankfully you actually reminded me, didn't you like the way they smelled? Weren't they pretty? The corn? Yes. Yeah. It's and I'm just, like, it okay, is, you're uh, right. The rows of corn and the way that you did it, row after row after row, about 10 rows. I find peace. I can't explain it. This is what we were talking about yesterday about this concept that we're so homogenized trained. Like how did our brain get to where everything looking the same feels better than the natural flow of natural chaos. Well, I look forward to the organized chaos that you intend on doing with that. But this go around with the wind that we have in our area, sure. flowing that corn back and forth, yep. Uh, yep. the flower, you it. explain the flowers that are on top. Yeah. And they have a sweet smell because it's sweet do. corn. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. Well, what I did was took about 10 to 15 ears of your corn mm -hmm. and grilled it. Yeah. And then once it's got a little char, not too much, then I cut it, let it cool, cut it off of the cob. I use a mandolin to do that. Yeah. And then in a bowl, you're combining your corn, mayo, sour cream, lime juice, chili powder, and cayenne pepper. Toss, 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 toss. That's the street corn. I love street corn. Put and I love queso, it even better out of my own garden. A little queso fresco and chopped cilantro on top. And that was on the side of our wings. Yeah. That and then you made some deviled eggs. So if y'all think about this, it's like we're out in the nice pavilion. You guys have heard us tell all the stories about that. We've got this long table spread out. Joe's bringing out bowls of wings and he's tossing them in the sauce. We've got a big bowl of Mexican street corn. We've got deviled eggs. We've got fun. It's like a perfect meal in the South in the beginning summertime. of summer. Yeah, exactly. Summertime, kids are home. Another kid graduating from high school. The boys are going back and they're starting summer school. You know, it's just, it was a fun adventure and delicious food is kind of how we do it, clearly. So thinking about families wrapping memories and food and all of those things around, I got asked to host a private dinner party for an elderly woman that deals with some dementia. Okay. One of the big things her daughter had told me several times was that she loves to go and watch the Longhorns. So on her good days, when she takes her out on a drive to go do some things, she'll take her to sit and watch the Longhorns. And she said that her birthday was coming up and... 
when you've got a situation, you know, kind of like your mom, you're looking for the easiest, calmest, they can walk in, you can get the best chair for them, you can get them to the bathroom easily, you know, just a good, safe place. Yeah. In addition to that, we have the ability, as we're hosting, to serve special diets. So we need grain-free, that kind of thing. So we've got the Longhorns. We've got this safe, comfortable place that people come. We have this nice long table, and we served up some of our local food here at the farm for a special private event. And it was really nice. And it was that same type of like family atmosphere, but someone else paid me by the plate to invite them out to the farm, basically. The woman that asked you, I guess, had come to the Long Lunch Club where we had served those mushrooms, spinach, chicken enchiladas. Yeah, she actually celebrated just, her birthday on that same day. Like it was kind yeah, of just a month perfect. and a half ago or so. I'll put in the episode number right here. Yes. The original talk for spinach, mushroom, chicken enchiladas was just a few weeks ago, episode 3.29. And then she said, those enchiladas... We're so good. Could you guys do that again for us? Yeah, so a special request. Now listen. Hello, ego. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Joe's enchiladas. This is how I heard it. Joe's enchiladas were so amazing. I'm specially requesting and will pay you to bring my family out here. Uh-huh. And you serve us this delicious thing. Uh-huh. Ego stroke and a lot of pressure. Uh-huh, I've got uh-huh. to redo them just as good as I did. And if you remember in that episode, I suggest... I'm not going to go through the whole recipe. We just did it just recently. Yeah. Go back to that episode. But you'll remember, Aislinn, that when we talked about them back then, I had made a fatal error that didn't turn out to suffer any flavor. And that was use the Greek yogurt instead of sour cream when I'm heating up and making the sauce to pour over the top. Uh-huh. That was a bad idea. Yogurt breaks in that situation. Uh-huh. So this time I used the sour cream. Uh-huh. So that sauce is lime juice, chicken broth from our freezer, you know, that we make, that we process after we eat a chicken. Garlic, sour cream, and cilantro finely chopped up. Use the sour cream when you do it because it actually makes a thick, creamy, delicious sauce. Mm -hmm. Inside those enchiladas, of course, mushrooms, spinach, cream cheese, and your cooked chicken. Mm -hmm. I like having this in my arsenal. And the next time that all the kids are together, I might go this direction. Because the, the big 9 by 13 of enchiladas makes enough for everybody and a little bit left over. I know you enjoyed it a day or two after the fact. Yep. And then you served up some Spanish rice, which you use. You didn't use the same recipe I did from not. the one we used. I thought the... that the last recipe was horrible in that same episode <laughs> with the enchiladas. Go back and listen. But then one of the people at that same long lunch club said, that's the best Spanish rice I've ever eaten. They said he's made it again a couple times. So That same it's recipe? Funny. Yeah. I actually thought it was good Spanish rice. I still don't think you have Spanish rice quite down yet. So we have another one of those private dinners coming up in July, and I'm pretty excited about that. So that's opening the door to something that I really, really liked because we weren't really there in the meal. We were just serving the meal. And if there were specific questions asked, we answered them, but we were hosting and the family was having a nice, quiet birthday dinner. Mm -hmm. And this is the thing that I've been saying to some of my chef friends and any of my friends out there is that... If you have an idea of something that you would like to do, now I got to keep it small because I only have enough room for small parties. But if you're doing a small dinner party, you know, with 15 people or less, that's perfect number for us. We can do some stuff. And I even got for this next one that's coming up, a caterer to do the food. So I'm not even I doing the food. Idea. Yeah. I'm just able to say, okay, this is how much it is per plate. And it's special vegan diet. Mm -hmm. So there's special need needs being met there. 
And then we host the event here. Sure. And so I like that. And I hope that some of you guys will reach out to me or any chefs, like I've said in the past, any chefs that have any great ideas that want to try to collab with us out here and, and do something cool. We're, we're open to it. We've and got the event space and are open for experimentation. I like yeah. this idea because then the folks that come out can, if they care to, take a little garden tour with one of us yep. or I can take them over to the chicken run. Yeah, the... People love getting their hands back into this farm nature experience. And I know that we love showing off, you know, our lifestyle. It's a nice, quiet dinner event and this fantastic experience was like sit next to the pasture and watch the longhorns walking around the pond as a spoonbill whatever flies off into the air and there was a whole family of birders too so they were all oh that's the pink bill carryout or something like that my mom and everybody knows all that stuff that i don't know about birds i should though right yes. like that's something i should know especially the birds that you're going to potentially see while you're, right. you're here at the farm <laughs> yes. i'd like for the host to be able to tell me what they are okay in so the meantime just make it up i'm just going to make it up so could you um look that up for unanswered questions i now? will and i'll it's a it's a pink stork looking thing you guys mm -hmm. y'all can all answer this question for us I feel like we're in a rhythm. You're bringing things in and saying, Joe, I've got, for example, leeks. Lots of leeks this year. I found a gluten-free ball of pizza dough that you'd ordered on Thrive in our freezer. I said, let's make some pizzas. He said, okay, but you got to put leeks on them. Google, Google, Google. I came up with leek tomato goat cheese pizza. It was good. I'm loving the leeks, man. I've grown a lot of leeks this year. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to do it even differently next year. Okay. I'm going to spread them out a little bit more because I've noticed that we've had leeks for a very long time. Now, I haven't had the bulk of leeks, but I have had, we've made pork chops with leeks on top of yeah. them. Like onions and leeks grow well in our area. So I'm loving the idea of trying out these different ways of using them. And I'm delivering to restaurants, so they're putting leeks on their pasta and leeks on their potato soup type thing. I mean, they're making all kinds of things with leeks, so it's fun for us to try that out too. This was really easy. You melt butter in your skillet and add the leeks, saute them for about 10 minutes, stir in some parsley. I have a lot of that too, although I'm not harvesting the parsley right now. Do you want to know why? Mm -mm. I mean, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Please tell me. No, please. Okay. That's enough. <laughs> Why are you not harvesting parsley? Because I have butterflies and butterfly eggs and caterpillars on my parsley. Oh, okay. So it's shifted from food that you're bringing in to habitat. Exactly. I love that. Parsley goes to flower after the second year. So my parsley is going to flower right now. And I'll give you another tip for those of you out there. Because I always talk about these different herbs that I grow that are habitats, that are great companions, cover cropping companions. Mm -hmm. So then in addition to that, I'll have this massive quantity of parsley that the restaurants love. Yeah. So I've got all this parsley that I'm delivering to restaurants and stuff like that. But because they also flower pretty in that kind of carrot family, queen man's lace flower arrangement stuff okay. we put in flower arrangements. Uh, yeah. I've been making a lot of flower arrangements. I can use my parsley flowers to put in my flower arrangements. And I think that these are some of the fun, like sustainable homestead tricks that I'm not only learning myself so that I can continue to use it to make cash flow or sure. reseed things or let it be a habitat right now or teach other people how to use leeks so that we can grow more leeks next season, you know, all of those different types of things. It's creating this ability to share that with others, but also to have it here on the farm. I'm loving it. Your intense 
irrational hatred for tomato sauces, thick tomato I Italian not, sauces. It's not true. Means that our pizzas don't typically have that red sauce underneath. Oh yeah, I don't like that. So we'll do an, a spiced herbed oil, a lot of garlic in it as that base. Then after your sauteed leeks are cooled off, you put that on top, sprinkle your tomatoes. And hell yeah, I'm doing a goat cheese anything because one of our favorite vendors at yep. the farmer's market who was yep. absent for years She's is back. She's OG farmer's market, downtown farmer's market, goat cheese vendor. A goat cheese vendor. Yep. That's my friends at Lorborough Farm, Janie. You can get strawberries and cream goat cheese, peppercorn goat cheese, garlic and chive goat cheese, mm-hmm. and several other flavors. Mm-hmm. And we're picking up one a week. I love goat cheese. I do too. It's delicious. It's yeah. like a little snack to me. Things. Break up the goat cheese, sprinkle it on, throw it in the oven. We had that delicious, delicious pizza. Like what are the things you can throw a little bit of everything? And pizza is always one of those. And that's often this time of year. It's like, sure. oh, tomatoes, eggplants, peppers, onions, pizza, leeks, onions, broccoli, pizza, arugula, pear. I don't know. Like, like well, what, let's, let's, pizza. I was going to talk. <laughs> we'll come back to talk about potato leek soup. Because I made the baddest asses potato leek soup. But while we're talking pizza. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Mm -hmm. This is one of those things. Listen, listen. I saw a meme the other day. It said something like, okay, okay. But in 2022, the Taco Bell Mexican pizza came back. So it was ultimately like, with all the bad shit going on in the world in 2022, it's okay, though, because Taco Bell's got their Mexican pizza coming back. And I do remember... That back in the day, which would have been a solid 20-something years ago, 25 years ago, I loved Taco Bell Mexican pizza. Oh. Okay, pizza. What do we have? You start pulling out some of the stuff, and you're like, okay, we've got peppers, tomatoes, onions, corn, and all of a sudden, I've got this like hankering for a Mexican pizza, and I'm like, what do you think about a Mexican pizza? Oh my God, such a good recipe. Everyone has got to try the Mexican pizza. I didn't even have to go to the store because we had one can of black beans in the pantry. Not refried black beans, whole black whole beans, Whole black right? beans, okay. yeah. So in your skillet, you've got onion, chili powder, cumin, cinnamon, and water. Mm-hmm. The cinnamon made a difference, you guys. You cover and you cook that. You're mm-hmm. cooking those onions down soft. Mm-hmm. That smell was incredible in the house, the aroma. Mm-hmm. Remove it from the heat and stir in your beans and a can of little green chilies. I didn't want to go to the store. I didn't have to. So what I did instead was saute prior a chopped up poblano pepper or mm, two. We've been getting some beautiful getting those at the farmer's market. Yeah, that's that Wiley Farm. Those folks that we talked about a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. They're bringing some good stuff to the farm. Got us some poblanos. It's my favorite, you guys. Shishito peppers, poblanos. Oh, I love them so much. After your bean kind of mixture is done, you put half of it into the food processor. So you're making like a refried bean consistency, which Uh, becomes the base of the pizza. Not tomato sauce, not oil, but Uh that. uh uh And you used a gluten-free crust for this, right? Yes, because our closest big grocery store had some cauliflower-based gluten-free crusts in the freezer that we had not tried the brand. Yeah, Yeah. I like them. I liked them better than that ball of dough. That ball of dough was hard to manage. Yeah. You're spreading salsa over the top. We broke into some of your mom's fresh homemade homemade salsa. salsa. Mm -hmm. Using cheddar cheese for this, not mozzarella or other kinds of pizza cheeses, but cheddar to get the Mexican kind of flavor profile there. Half of your cheese, your remaining bean mixture that was unpureed, Okay, yeah. Tomatoes, corn, 
green peppers, and then the rest of your cheese. Bake it and serve it with sour cream to dip it in. That's so good, you It guys. was really good. Facebook is where we're posting most of these recipes. This is one you want to go to our Facebook page, Dinner Table Talks, and find. Mm-hmm. And then go to the farmer's market if you don't have these coming out of your own garden mm-hmm. and buy yourself... Maybe not the corn, but you can get some fresh corn from the store right now. It's corn season, so it's going to be there. Get yourself some corn so you can cut it off the cob and do that whole thing. Get yourself some delicious poblano peppers. Get yourself some tomatoes and make yourself... Listen, I can stand behind 2022 being the year of the Mexican pizza, but come on. Can we skip the Taco Bell and go for the real deal? Because this was divine, you guys. Every time. Every time. It's like, it's like... <laughs> I'm going to go back to my potato leek soup. I have made potato leek soup. We've talked about it on the show before. I'll throw the episode in here. You've got to go back to 1.26 and listen to the potato leek recipe. It was a total fail. Speaking of fantastic recipes you guys oh my god i ate every drop of this soup i think we should have a party and make leek potato soup i'm just saying for a couple of years we have had in the freezer a container of the potato leek soup the crunchy stuff and i said to myself over and over when i was looking for something easy to do i'm not going to reheat that i'm not going to reheat that i'm not going to reheat that because it had dirt in it And I learned that the proper way to clean your leeks, it did. I mean, I cleaned the leeks as best I could back a year ago, whenever it was to make this potato leek soup. But then it's like, (laughs) and the way you clean leeks correctly is to wash them, the outside, then cut them long ways in half, then chop them, then wash all of that. If you do it like that, you're not going to get that grit. Have you ever been to a restaurant where you've gotten crunchy like soup? Before? Uh, Bones in chicken, yes. Crunchy soup, not to my recollection. Maybe it's because I have a little bit more experience with like the farm to table soup. I don't know, but I've definitely eaten some crunch in a spinach soup or a leek soup before. Yeah, because in addition to leeks, you're bringing potatoes out right now. Yes. Oh my God, you guys. But I still didn't get as big of a harvest of potatoes this year as I did last year. And here's one of the things that I brought up as a question when I was planting my potatoes that we ended up buying the potatoes from the box stores because the local nurseries had run out of potatoes Mm -hmm. when I went back to get more. Like I had gotten a round of them, but I hadn't gotten enough of them. And then when I finally was able to get back and get some more, Mm -hmm. they didn't have any more. And just when I'm feeling wealthy, you'll go to a box store with me and then we're not wealthy anymore. (laughs) (laughs) That's not true. We're very wealthy. You said... I multiply that stuff. You said, I found some potato starts I was so here at excited. Lowe's or Home Depot, wherever we were. I was like this crazy lady with like bags and bags of potatoes. I li- We literally saw somebody I know and I was like, I look like this crazy woman with just paid potatoes all over me. But they had some purple potatoes, some white potatoes and some Yukon golds. And they actually did really well. And then a few reds as well. And that was all those box store ones. And those were the ones that actually did the best. The ones that did the best best were the Yukons. They did really well. Mm-hmm. And then the red potatoes were okay. The purple not as well. The white did okay. But then the other red potatoes that I had gotten from the local nursery that I expected to actually do better actually didn't do as well. So in your Dutch oven, unanswered question next week, why is it a Dutch oven? 
heat your oil and butter together and you throw in your potatoes, leeks, and then you say, oh, by the way, Joe, I have some celery. Okay, I'm cutting celery and I actually have some more celery. The challenge is, is I still haven't gotten my celery timing quite right. So I'm going to go back through. It's the time of year when you start planning for your seeds and you start putting your calendar together about like when you're going to plant things. And I'm going to actually say, okay, this is the month I have to plant this. I can continue planting it until this, but I have to plant it on this month. Mm -hmm. I'm going to do more of that. And so celery comes up in that same way because I've been trying to get celery to start by seed, you know, some of that, and it's been hit or miss on my timing, but I do have celery coming out. It's just coming out a little late. So it's not like the good fresh celery that you'd have this ginormous bite. You'd eat it, you know, with your wings. It's Mm -hmm. not like that. It's more for cooking, but it's very, very flavorful and delicious celery. Why do we do what we do with our food? Not only is the food you grow more densely nutritious than any of the counterparts at the grocery store. I'm going to go ahead and bet money on that. But also, if I buy a tomato from the grocery store and a similar variety that you've grown, put a blindfold on, taste them both, 99.999% of the time, the ones that are coming out of the ground right in your backyard or as close to are going to taste better than anything at the grocery store. Celery Mm -hmm. may be the most convincing piece of evidence on that. The celery that you grow... Mm -hmm. Because we buy celery from the store from time to time. We need it from, for this and that when it's not seasonally available from your garden or the farmer's market. And we bought beautiful celery, again, from Wiley Farm at the farmer's market too. So, And their stuff is delicious and flavorful as well. You break a piece of your celery open and the entire house smells like celery. Yeah. You break a piece of that watery, light green celery, those thick, thick, thick pieces that come from the grocery store. And sometimes they are devoid of flavor. Yeah. Do you have this desire at all to like eat onions right now? Just raw onions? Uh, Like an apple? No. Not like an apple, but just like never before in my life was I drawn to eating a fresh onion. But my God, the onions that come out of these gardens here are so delicious and flavorful that I just want to eat raw onions, white onions, red onions, yellow Mm -hmm. onions. I don't care. No, I don't want to get an onion and take a bite out of it like an apple. But when I see a piece of onion laying there cut up to put on pizza or something like that, I have to grab. And the smell of those onions and that celery. And yes, you guys already know. You put garlic, onion, and celery in a saute pan and you're everyone thinks that you're the best chef in the land (laughs) because it's just this aromatic. Smells so good. Yeah, it's beautiful. This is what's coming out of the garden this time of year in the summertime. That corn that is so sweet, these flavors, these tomatoes that are just to die for, these poblano peppers that Mm -hmm. just, oh my goodness, you just want to eat raw vegetables. And it, it makes sense to me why we want to eat the raw vegetables, the fruits. Another Dinner Table Talks standard recipe is our mashed potatoes when we add turnips to them. Mm hmm. I'll throw that episode number in here. Go make those mashed potatoes. You can listen to how we make our mashed potatoes with garlic and turnips in episodes 1.27 or episode 2.12. Well, we're making potato leek soup. Yeah. You said I've got some turnips. Yep. Why not? Late season turnips. They're not turning out great. I'm giving some of them to my customers, but holding on to quite a few of them. And Mm -hmm. I'm like... Throw these turnips into this soup. Let's see what happens with it. Right. So while I'm softening the potatoes, leeks, and celery in that butter and oil, I had pre-cooked my turnips 
Because they take longer than the potatoes mm-hmm. to get as soft. They're a bit more fibrous. That's the difference. Did you, you know? notice that when you ate the soup? No, okay. I didn't. But you can actually, when they're boiled at the exact same timing temperature and you taste them side by side, one is a complete mash. Mm, the the potatoes, other one, you yeah. can still feel the strings of fiber in it. Okay. So that's got to be what it is. It's just one has a, a more dense fiber base turnip than potato. So then I threw the turnips in. At the same time as the potatoes, because they had been pre-softened. Then throw in a little garlic. Then stir in your chicken broth. And I love this part of where we are right now. Hey, hon, I need some time. You go outside. You -hmm. come back in 30 seconds with fresh thyme that you've just cut. Thyme, chives, oregano, basil, spearmint, you name it. I've got oxage. I've got it. Except the parsley. Because, you know, butterfly eggs. Bring that all to a simmer. Remove your thyme. Then I asked you, this recipe is not a smooth soup. They want me to take half of this and puree it and then pour it back in so that it's got a pureed base, but some chunk in it, potatoes, leeks, and turnips. Mm-hmm. What do you want me to do? Do you want me to puree the whole thing or do you want to do it the way the recipe says? And I said, I like the idea of having some chunks in it. So why don't you try it the way they suggested it? Let me taste it. And if we like it, then we'll leave it like that. If we don't, we'll go ahead and cream it all up. Cream it all up. (laughs) Well, speaking of creaming it all up, (laughs) the last thing you add after you pour your pureed half back in is a cup of heavy cream. Mm -hmm. And then you let that simmer and thicken for 10, 15 minutes. And we ended up leaving it half chunked and half pureed. It, It was so good. It was fantastic. So good. It was wonderful. The chunks were perfect. And here's the other thing, like... Using those small round turnips and the small round potatoes, some of them you didn't even have to cut the potato. Right. So it was this little pop of like potato ball or like turnip ball in your soup. It was really good, you guys. And then perfectly cooked little leeks and celery bites in there. It was so good. So I thought soup and salad, soup and salad. Ugh, yes. And for some reason, I can't even tell you why, I wanted to do a copycat of Olive Garden's salad dressing. I don't go to Olive Garden, but I remember in the past that unlimited bowl of salad that they brought out with the pepperoncini peppers and the olives hidden in there, chunks of tomato, tossed in that really tangy Olive Garden dressing. I think you can buy Olive Garden dressing on the shelf at the grocery store, but I wanted a copycat, make it from scratch, Mm -hmm. and I did. Mm -hmm. I had bought a head of romaine from the farmer's market, which is probably the last one that I'm going to be able to buy. I think lettuce is 100% done now, but it was waiting for us in the refrigerator. So a nice tossed green salad with some of your tomatoes that you had picked. Carrots, red onions. Green onions. Corn. Yeah. I kind of threw everything in there, but you also had a small bag of arugula. Yeah. It's interesting. You get through this part in the season where all the bugs are eating everything, the bugs that like the greens, and then you transition to the flower eating bugs. And so the flower eating bugs are there, but all your greens are still kind of growing. There's certain greens that can handle the summer heat if they just have water. Mm Mm-hmm kale, and all of your mustard greens and things like arugula and stuff like that. So I've got another abundance of arugula again. Right. And it's delicious arugula. Well, the ratio was about one part arugula to five parts romaine. I didn't want to overpower the salad with that spicy kick that the arugula has when you take a bite. It's almost like a surprise. I'm here and I'm spicy. Yeah, and this particular one that I had pulled out, like I have some that's a wasabi arugula and that stuff's spicy fire. 
Oh yeah, wasabi oh, arugula. Sounds interesting. But then the one I'm pretty sure that I you had and you were using wasn't that. It's more of a sweet arugula. And so it's this kind of nutty flavor. Yeah. Every once in a while, Lillian calls it brown. She says it tastes like brown. Right. She's we like, talked about this that. This is one of those brown leaves. I don't know what it is, but I'm like, the leaf I think is it's not arugula. brown. Right. <laughs> no, it just got this kind of, I guess, nutty flavor, which makes you think brown in color. I don't know. Anyways, it's kind of funny that way. But that little pop with all of those fresh vegetables radishes i mean like everything you can think of yeah. delicious cucumbers yeah it was all dumped in there all in this beautiful salad but i chopped well right with this homemade let me olive garden yeah. dressing let me tell you how i did it i made the dressing which i'll talk about in a second tossed it with the lettuce put that down at the bottom mm -hmm. then i chopped up all the vegetables and put more dressing and tossed those separately and laid them on top and then goat cheese on top then goat cheese on top it was fantastic and so this beautiful soup with almost everything except the like cream in it from our local area mm -hmm. next to this beautiful salad with like almost everything on the plate i think everything on the plate vegetable wise was from local farmers or here at the farm it was totally and then your homemade dressing that you made uh -huh. and that's a stupid salad to serve for kings and queens i'm telling you or certainly a very nice pavilion long lunch club or something like that <laughs> head to our facebook page to see the recipe that i used i imagine that this will go in our dressing rotation everyone would love it and it's a nice change of pace from the ranch that's our default mm-hmm in a bowl, whisk together mayonnaise, red wine vinegar, lemon juice, olive oil, parsley, yours, basil, oregano, garlic powder, salt, and Parmesan cheese. If you're using it, I didn't have any, so I didn't. Put it in your salad dressing container. It was that simple. Delish. Then I had to advocate for myself. I want spaghetti and some kind of red sauce. Even though your irrational detestment of this delectable deliciousness makes no sense to other humans... I like I wanted, tomato sauce. I just don't like that gloppy, sweet, over-processed, mm -hmm. thick tomato-y sauce. I like a thin tomato sauce with lots of vegetables in it. Well, a lot of vegetables you did have. I know. You made it like I like it this time, so I, I don't know what this all this nonsense is about. and everything in it that could Always possibly make sense. Always advocating for yourself. You think you have to advocate for From yourself. From your tomatoes. I'm just telling the <laughs> truth, so I'm just going to press forward. Your tomatoes, your carrots, these tiny little eggplants. There's a couple of them that you had. Your I have these long string eggplants coming out of the garden. They're so much fun, you guys. These Ichiban Japanese ones and these other like string eggplants. I love eggplants and it's eggplant season. I'm going to have so many eggplants. I'm so excited about it. Joe told me I had to come on as the person that was excited about vegetables. No, Do I didn't you guys say think excited I'm about vegetables. I said you're well. the color commentator for the vegetables. Do you guys think I'm doing a good job? I, you're doing a fantastic job. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> Your basil from the farmer's market. My basil. Oh my God, it's so delicious. Bell peppers. <laughs> take it down a notch. Zucchini and yellow squash. Mm. But let's talk about your peas. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I am harvesting my sugar snap peas and I've been letting them go a little longer and then shelling them and then we've been using them for things. But I've begun to get to the point where I'm like, okay, now it's time to just let them stay on the vine until they completely dry out and then I can just reuse the seeds for next season. Because there's something that you definitely have to like cook 
Did you like? Did you like the texture of the peas yeah. in there? You liked the texture of the peas in there. I didn't. It didn't bother me at all. Did it bother you? So anyone? No, it didn't bother me. But I thought about people that don't like peas. That like texture of peas. That's kind of mushy. Do you think they could have? cooked less or more to make them better in the mouthfeel? I think they could have cooked more. Okay. And there may be other South Texas farmers that are using sugar snap peas. Like once you've got them like fresh and they're still in the winter season and it's cool and they're like this nice little crunch of like freshness, they're delicious. But as the heat comes on and with my peas, the heat came on so fast this year that it was like my peas were perfectly timed to get like walloped by the heat and no water. And so I didn't want to waste them. So I kind of just kind of let them keep growing. And then I would shell them like other kinds of English peas and things like that. I was pretty pleased with what I was coming up with. And I was able to get quite a few of those. My restaurants were able to get some of them and stuff like that. They were great to throw on top of a salad, the little peas at the very beginning when they were still a little bit fresh. But then as they went further down, you have to cook them. And so they were a great addition to have that thrown into a spaghetti mix, you know, just something else that well, you can the, throw in. the name of the, the recipe mix. is garden veggie pasta. So yeah. I wasn't scared to put vegetables in there if mm-hmm. they made sense at all. Mm-hmm. And you can take, like, I'm trying to describe this to everybody because my number one most important goal for all food production and all the work we do out here at the farm is to create a sustainable homestead for my family. That we're all bringing in all of these different pieces. And the piece that I bring in is to constantly be providing more food, growing more food, developing the land, and being able to get to the point where I can provide food and some cash flow for all of the work that's being done out here on the farm for this food, right? So every single thing that I can do and teach to other people that makes it a little bit more sustainable to grow different types of vegetables. So you don't look at that tomato and go, well, I spent $50 on this tomato. Why would I ever do that again? No. (laughs) What do we do to get return on that investment? No matter what happens with the season or the drought or whatever, the freeze, whatever it is, what do you have? What can you use? Okay. When you take these peas, you go ahead and go through on a later season sugar snap pea and harvest all the tiny, tiny peas that haven't really produced. It's just the shell. It's just a soft little tender shell. And then you go ahead and harvest all the rest of them. And then you've got stages. So the ones that are tiny, you can just throw them in a mix like this. Mm -hmm. I mean, they just cook perfectly. The ones that are a little bit bigger, you snap off the ends. Also just throw them in the mix. Now you get to the larger ones that have the fully developed peas inside them, but they're not that good, delicious, like crunchy, soft situation anymore. You break them open and you pull them out and you throw them in and all of that stuff goes into whatever type of thing you've cooking, you're cooking and a stew or a vegetable beef soup or a vegetable pasta is a perfect way to do this. You may just need to learn a little bit more about making sure that the more developed ripe peas are just a little bit more cooked so that mouthfeel is better. I got my hands in the dirt learning in the kitchen. So I'll definitely do that. Take that entire list of vegetables that we just listed. Dice, cut, prepare, In addition to that, I'm going to need tomatoes, right? I'm making a tomato sauce. So it calls for a 28-ounce can of crushed tomatoes, but we had tomatoes. So Mm -hmm. rather, I took my measuring cup, got it up to 28 ounces of cut, you know, cut up tomatoes, took my cocktail muddler and crushed them. Yeah. Your fresh basil, that was important because I wanted Mm -hmm. it to have that, you know, Mm -hmm. authentic Italian kind of basil flavor. The other thing that was in this recipe was a tablespoon of balsamic vinegar. And I just want to give you a dinner table talk tip. I said this a couple of weeks ago. When you go to the grocery store and you see the balsamic vinegar section 
and you pick up a bottle, you turn it upside down, the viscosity of the vinegar inside is like water. Mm -hmm. Look for aged balsamic vinegar. When you turn the bottle over and back, it's more like motor oil. Yeah, syrup. Mm -hmm. Buy that. Get that in your kitchen. You can drizzle that over cut up salted cucumbers and with a little more oil. You can, I mean, there are so many ways that you can use this superior product than just to add a vinegar balsamic flavor to a dish. Next level. Mm-hmm. It's making a difference for sure. Oh, we've eaten so well. Well, yeah. That's Your folks typical. have been gone. Savannah is in Tampa for the summer. It's just you and me on the farm for a full week. And we really leaned into cooking a lot of food. Yeah, it's been fun. But I think that the biggest part and people that know the seasonality of this show know that this time of year, yeah. Aislinn's going, why is there food rotting in the bottom and of I'm my produce working, drawer? I, and I mean, being as purposeful as I can to prevent that from happening. I hope that you've seen that shift. Like, let's make things. And you're also delivering a hell of a lot of food to a hell of a lot of people. I am. I would like to do more. I am launching my... 22-23 season of my special investment larders where people prepaid to receive produce from me throughout the year. Mm-hmm. Hand delivered to their home or restaurant. Yep. It goes public, completely public on Monday. So if you guys are interested in that, I'll send you the link to it. If nothing else, you can get on the waiting list. The waiting list will be, yes, of course, not till next year, next year mm-hmm. at this point. But if you're on my waiting list, and that means I know that you want some of my product. And as I move through the next year, what I didn't do this year, because I'm feeding so many people, because I didn't feel like I had quite enough produce to make sure that we had plenty of stuff canned mm-hmm. to put on our shelves, you know, all of that. And I still expect to see a lot more stuff. I also expect my fall to be fantastic. That means that I'm going to have an overflow of abundance. I know it this year. I know this next year I'm going to have an overflow of abundance and I'm excited about that. Send me a message and let me know that you are interested in that and I'll make sure to get some information to you about that or sign up for my email where you'll, you would get it in an email from me on Monday anyways at aislinkcampbell.com. Well, hey, while we're in this intellectual vibe, why don't you kick over a question that we can deep dive into? I don't know your answer to this question, but it's a fun one. Mm -hmm. If you had to wear a hat every day for the rest of your life, just one, Mm -hmm. what type of hat would it be? It would probably be my felt hat that is my, I don't even know what you would call that. What that style is? Yeah, what the style is. It's a wide brim, Mm -hmm. no curl up like a cowboy hat on the edges of the brim, just flat all the way around with like a fedora top. Yeah. It's it's like a rider hat. I mean, if you look back at the, you know, old cowboy, it's a rider's hat. Yeah. It's not straw. The best hat that I really probably need is a straw version of the felt hat that I have. Yeah. I think. Because if you're talking about a hat that you just need one hat all year, you need a felt hat in the winter. You need a straw hat in the summer, but you can only have one. So I think that I would take the style of the felt hat that fits so perfectly and stays so snugly on my head with a nice tight straw weave that even in the wintertime, it would keep me a little, my head warm, right? In the summertime, it would keep my head cool and it would always stop the rain from coming through, which is a part of the felt hat, the reasoning for the felt hat. So... I've manipulated my answer a little bit and I've said I need that style 
Felt and straw. Yeah. I'm with you. I need the one. There, there's hats out there that are perfect for like what I'm talking about. When we met, I was not a fully bald man. I had not embraced the notion that I You were am a fully balding. bald man with this like fuzzy stuff on your head. Right. You were, everything about you was a bald man. I would have never described you as anything but a bald man when I met you. Just so you know. I'm going to throw the episode number in for my treatise on balding <laughs> that you need to go listen to. It is not debatable. You have to listen to episode 1.8. That's the eighth episode we did. And hear my treatise on balding, my entire story and the conclusions I've come to. And if you have someone in your life that needs to hear it, just tell them, you know, this is a great podcast you should listen to. Episode 1.8. You said, Joe, you're very handsome, very attractive. Oh, yes. Very. But you need to bick that shit. Bick that shit. Bick that shit? That was, I was... What do you mean, bick that I shit? I was a solid decade younger, you guys. Take it down to bald. Bald, bald. Not yeah. a one on your clipper. Bald, bald. But yeah. Joe, in the cool times of year, you're going to need a hat. Yeah, it was so crazy because I was like out somewhere. It was February and it was like 32 degrees. We an and it was an outdoor event. movie. Yeah, an outdoor drive-in movie. And I was like, movie. what are you doing, bald man, without a hat on your head? So I took a blanket and wrapped it around and made kind of a turban-y type, you know, fashion statement that night that's just a product of, a, of someone that doesn't spend that much time outside but got deeper into hats i've had a pork pie hat which was probably my favorite ever and i've had the classic summer kentucky derby type hats in different color straw today i mowed the yard early and it's so hot and you know trying to keep the sun off my head i have a um a work hat garden hat not yeah. attractive wide brim uh, vented on the top, mm -hmm. but a necessary tool for yeah. a bald gentleman like myself. Yeah. The answer that most men are going to tell you is a baseball cap, but yeah. baseball caps just really aren't my thing. Mm -hmm. I own a couple of them. Mm -hmm. I should probably own a couple of more. Usually if he's got a baseball cap on, it's because he banged his head against the mesquite tree again. Right. And I want to <laughs> hide the wound. I'm going to go with it. pork pie hats are my favorite style. But that's not going to help me out in the sun yeah, or yeah, the yeah, cold. Yeah. So I'm going to go. You know, you're talking to somebody that's like serious about hats. So you yeah, got to have a good hat I don't answer. own. I don't own and have never owned the hat. Your dad has what I'm talking about. He doesn't wear it often, but it's basically a straw fedora. Mm -hmm. And I think that that would be the one. Mm -hmm. And I need to get one. Mm -hmm. Next time we're in Austin, we're going hat shopping. Mm, I love hats. I You can take me hat shopping any day. The last time you took me hat shopping, I bought myself a black straw Stetson. Ooh, I look so cute in it. My number one most important goal... Well, thank you so much for listening to another episode of Dinner Table Talks. We will be back next Monday with a fresh episode. In the meantime, hit us up on social media, send us an email, DM us, whatever. We want to hear from you. And we hope that you're enjoying the episodes as much as we enjoy creating them for you. Now, the last thing that we made this week. Let's skip that. I'm ready to be done. Fideo? I need to go move my water. Okay. <laughs> we'll do it next week. Yeah. Okay. Okay.